Hi, I'm Michael Mahoney, General Manager at Midtown Athletic Club in Chicago, and you're listening to the Tennis Industry United podcast, keeping the tennis industry connected till we're back on the court again. Hi, my name is Chris Michalowski, known as Coach Mick of the United States Tennis Association with this week's edition of the Tennis Industry United podcast. And today I'll be talking to Doug Cash, founder of Cashflow Tennis. And Doug right now works closely with clubs all over the country when it comes to management and operations. And we'll also be talking to banking expert Charles Smith, senior vice president and SBA specialist at Eastern Bank Corporation. But before we get started, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. Now, the podcast will feature insightful and informative interviews with industry insiders and business professionals, all aimed at better connecting the tennis community and educating all those affected by the many challenges posted by the COVID-19 pandemic. From banking and loan experts who will discuss small business stimulus packages and other resources available to those in the industry, to club owners, tennis directors, and tennis professionals representing some of the largest clubs and facilities in the U.S. Each week's guests on the podcast will provide expert advice and informed insights on the specific issues currently faced by tennis professionals, tennis facilities, and others who make their living in the sport during this challenging time. This is news you can use for everyone in the tennis industry. Now, when I was asked to do this episode, an acronym such as SBA, PPP came up and then was asked to talk about the stimulus, loan and grant programs available. The first person I thought of was Doug Cash, who deals in these areas and works with clubs all over the country. But even after talking to Doug, there were still more questions that we needed answered. And this is why we invited Charles Smith from Eastern Bank on the podcast, who can answer our questions, but more importantly, answer your questions during this crazy time. And we'll tell you how you can get your questions answered at the end of this episode. Now, I would first like to introduce my partner for this and most likely a few more episodes, Doug Cash, a USPTA and PTR certified tennis professional whose successful teaching career led him into club management. Doug was the chief operating officer for Tennis Corporation of America, the world's largest owner and operator of indoor tennis clubs, and he also founded Cashflow Tennis, and his goal is to help clubs and professionals grow and run their businesses more successfully. His expertise in programming, compensation, tennis marketing, sales, and financial performance and human resource management help him accomplish these goals. Doug, welcome and thanks for partnering with me to get some very important questions answered. Mick, thanks a lot. I'm glad to have a good doubles partner. I hope you can serve better than I can. I'm not sure about that. But before we get started with Charles, you have some information that we both thought would be very helpful from your end. And I was hoping we could talk a bit about that before we bring Charles on. Love to. Uh, We are in a unprecedented time with something we've never gone through before. We've got clubs all over the country that are closed and unsure of what the future will bring. So the very first goal that we have is to make sure our clubs survive. And there's three parts of that goal. The business, the employees, and the members, because all play a great big part in the survival. And so what we have to do at the end of this is have good clubs that are financially stable, can employ, and have a great membership base. And so today we're gonna talk about the club part of that and the business part of that. We have to come out of this with a game plan to help club owners, whether they're private, municipal, parks, there's all different types of facilities to come out of this heads up and in a way that that we can grow the game even more. One of the very first things you have to do as a club owner for the next six months is to determine your cash needs. What kind of monies do you have to pay out and what kind of monies are you gonna get in? And one of the things that we know is most clubs we have dues are stopped, some programming dollars are stopped, 
but that is different for every club in the country. So you have to get your cash needs in order to see what kind of help you need to stay afloat. And part of that help you need is part of the government stimulus program to provide operational payroll, rent, interest, utilities, help to get through the next couple months. That's why we have Charles today to help us with that because there are certain programs out there to help you do that as a club owner or manager. Well, thanks, Doug. And if if you have any questions for Doug, we will tell you how you can get them answered at the end of this podcast. Now, Doug, since you have a lot more expertise in this area than I do, I'm going to let you introduce our special guest today, who we hope can help guide all of us on some of the important decisions we may have to consider or make in the near future. Thanks, Mick. I'd like to introduce Charles Smith, Senior Vice President of Eastern Bank Corporation. Charles helps small businesses gain access to capital through various financing programs, in particular, the SBA program. Charles, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Doug. First question, there are really two types of loans right now that a club can apply for. The PPP, which is the Payroll Protection Program, and the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Could you explain a little bit about each of them to our listeners? Certainly. But first, I want to thank you for having me on this podcast and allowing me to talk to your membership. It's very important that we share a great deal of information at this time to all concerned small businesses and parties and just want to get the proper information out there. Having said that, the SBA has really launched two programs that are aimed at helping small businesses stay afloat. One is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. EDIL for short, and the other is the PPP, which is part of the $2 trillion government stimulus package that was passed, I want to say two weeks ago now. The EIDL is a disaster program that for people who've had lost revenue due to the fact that the pandemic happened. So if you had to close your doors because of the pandemic, you've automatically developed a hardship due to the pandemic and you are eligible for these disaster funds. The EIDL loan program goes up to $2 million, has an interest rate from 2.75 to 3.75%. Um, it can go out as far as 30 years. And really the only eligibility criteria is that you have to have suffered an economic hardship due to the pandemic. You apply directly to the SBA for this program at sba.gov disaster. And um, a lot of people ask me about turnaround times for this. This program takes probably two to four weeks to get money in your hand, but it does go up to a very high amount and can be used for lots of normal, just your everyday operating business costs. One thing for everybody listening here is that we're going to have all the links on TennisIndustryUnited.com. So if he gives you any links, we'll make sure we put those links on that page for you to go to so you can get more information. Great, Chris. The second thing is the PPP program. So the PPP program is a program that was funded by Treasury for up to $350 billion. And this program is was made to support payroll. So what the eligibility criteria is that you have to have people on your payroll that you can support. If you furlough people, you have to bring them back when you're allowed to open up again. It's based on your average monthly payroll costs, including benefits and other fringe for the preceding year. So let's just say you had $100,000 payroll cost for 2019. That was your average. The amount that you would qualify for is 2.5 times that $100,000. So you, you would be eligible for $250,000 
And the great part about this loan program is that as long as you use at least 75% of the funds on, you know, supporting your payroll, bringing people back, paying their benefits, paying their health, this loan within eight, eight to 12 weeks will be totally forgiven by the federal government. So while it does, while it is a loan, if it goes out greater than six months, it actually can operate as a grant for you if all you do is use these funds to fund your payroll costs, which is great. So you won't have this sitting on your books. And that's really a description of the two programs. And what I would also say there is you can have both of these loans at the same time. I would use the EDIL to support your rent, mortgage, other costs, and just use the PPP to support your payroll costs. That'll be the best use of both of these programs in conjunction with one another. Thank you, Charles. Is any part of the EIDL loan forgivable? So yes, with within the EIDL loan program, there's an option to get a quick $10,000 injection, and that part is forgivable. Some other new rules that came down that we're trying to sort through is that the PPP program can refinance a small EIDL loan. So that may be to a borrower's advantage also, but we are checking if that part is forgivable right now. I will tell you that the the loan programs are changing every day. And if you hear something one day, you hear you hear a comment that was different the next day. The second person isn't lying to you. It's just that the program has changed. Given that the program changes almost on an hourly basis, should I apply now or wait until all the details are worked out to apply for the loan? You definitely want to apply now for the for the PPP program, there is a limited number of funds out there. As we said, for the whole nation, there's $350 billion out there. The loan program started last Friday. Banks really started making loans into the program um, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and really has picked up steam this week. But we don't expect these funds to last very long. Just to be honest, if we're looking at this as free money, and if somebody were to give you $100,000, I'm pretty sure you would take it also. I certainly would. So if they're going to run out of money, I assume that the banks are taking care of their current customers first. And if my bank isn't an SBA bank, what should I do? So if your bank, well, I want to address the first part of that statement first. The administration has stated that if we were to run out of money very early into this process, and we believe that they are, we truly believe that within the next week, we're going to run out of money and not everybody will have had chance to get these funds. So the administration is committed to going back to Congress and asking for a second appropriation. If you do remember when the stimulus was announced, they did say it was going to be probably three three rounds of stimulus. We're just on round two. We would definitely think there's going to be another round of this. Now, having said that, you want to you want to be first in line just to make sure that you have it. You want to work with your bank for business to see if they are a lender in this program. You can go to SBA.gov and find out what banks around you are lending into this program. And if your bank is lending into this program, the easier way would be to call your local banker and ask them, are you participating? If your bank for business is not participating in this loan program, it is going to cause you some frustration and consternation because most banks are taking care of their own customers first. And I don't really have a good answer for you for the people who don't have a bank that is not participating. You can ask your bank to participate. It literally takes one form to get them registered to participate in this program. Charles, how long do I have to wait to see if I get approved? It will vary from bank to bank. The SBA has set the time limit 
that states that we have to get these loans from the time that you were approved into your hand in 10 days. So that's a it's a tall task working within that timeline. And after you apply, you will know with every bank's going to be different. But at Eastern Bank, probably within three to five days, if not sooner. And repeat what you said, how long it will be till I get my monies? At the SBA is requiring us to disperse these funds to you within 10 days of loan approval. Do I have to pay any tax on this revenue? No, no taxes, no fees. We're really looking at this as a stimulus to the economy. So there aren't a lot of strings around this. The government has really put the onus on the banks to hey, get this money, people's hands, let them make sure they have their health care taken care of, make sure they have all of their all of their workers taken care of and make sure they can go out there and buy goods and sell goods so we can get the economy back to humming. And that was the that was the purpose. So they wouldn't want to put a lot of strings around this. Great. I had to furlough all my employees. And if I get this loan, when do I have to hire them back by? That's a great question. The SBA would like you to hire them back tomorrow, but that's not a real possibility considering facilities won't be open. So we are looking for some concrete answers around that. My statement to you would be that as soon as you can open back up your doors, have a plan to bring back your workers and make sure that even if they are furloughed, you're supporting their health care and other things like that. If you can bring them back with the help of the PPP program and you can find something for them to do, it is advised. But for a lot of places, there would be no reason to bring employees back when all they would be doing is sitting around and doing nothing. We don't open the club again till July 1st. Mm-hmm. If I hire my people back the last part of June, I can do up to eight weeks of pay for them from the PPP Act. Can yes, I that use is, that to pay them? That is correct. You can use that to pay them at that time. I had heard that you had to hire them all back by June 30th. Is that still regulation? So the way the rule is written today, it's supposed to be that way. I will say this, and the rules are ever changing. And when the rule was originally written, they were not expecting that we would be on lockdown for more than two weeks. And right now, the advice is social distancing from the federal government until at least April 30th. They did not contemplate that. So I guarantee you the rules around this will change again. A lot of my employees are independent contractors. About a third of of the professionals in the United States are independent contractors. Can I pay them also? What I would do and what is encouraged is you can't use the PPP loan program to pay independent contractors or 1099 workers. However, they are encouraged to apply for the PPP loan to cover their own income under this. Now, one of the key facets of the PPP program is that 1099 workers start to be eligible to apply for PPP tomorrow as of April 10th. So that was uh, one of the things that was in the bill that did not change. So tomorrow they can start applying. If I were an owner of the club who had a lot of 1099s on, I would encourage them to apply for this themselves because they are covered under this program. My business is an LLC and I'm the only person working it. I don't pay myself any wages. I distribute the profits to myself and pay quarterly taxes. Can I apply for this loan? You certainly can, but because you take distributions, we are waiting on final rules for people who 
operate in the same manner. It's going to take a little bit of additional information from you, not just your payroll, because obviously you're taking distributions, but understanding what your normal monthly payment would be to yourself to qualify for the program. We are awaiting additional information from the SBA on how to quantify these payments. They had that part of it was not transparent. How about nonprofits? Are they eligible? 501c3 organizations, veterans organizations, and religious organizations are eligible under under this program. There's a lot of clubs that are 501c7s, and they are not eligible then? So let me ask this, and this is something I wouldn't, I don't know. Are 501c7s count as a not, is that a not-for-profit status? It is. So under the act as it stands today, they are not eligible. What I can tell you to do is I can follow up and double check on that. A couple of things happened since the inception of the bill. Religious organizations were not originally part of the organizations that were eligible. That changed. I would tell all of the 501c7s, contact your local congressman and see if they can get that changed. This bill is very fluid and they're issuing advice on this every day. And if that's something that we want inclusion in, that you need to contact your senators. And it's very easy because all they have to do is convince the empowers that be to write it into law. And it doesn't have to be passed. It can be passed as a rule on this. I also hear that compensation over $100,000 is not part of this plan. Is that true? That is correct. So if you have an employee that's compensated over $100,000 cash compensation, they can only take up to that $100,000. However, the additional fringe healthcare, all that stuff can be counted. I'll give you an example. So if you have a person who was making $150,000 in cash, cash and commissions, and then you had, they were getting paid an additional $30,000 in fringe benefits, such as leave, healthcare, things to that nature. They would be eligible to count for up to $130,000 against that payroll cost. Okay. Uh, one final question that I have, and that is, I understand that up to 25% of the PPP loan can be used for non-payroll. Could you explain that? Yes. So in order to qualify, your user payroll cost times 2.5. So if we're using $100,000 of monthly payroll, you would take that, multiply that by 2.5, you get $250,000. That would be the total part of your loan. Now, when you go to get loan forgiveness, 75% of those funds must have been used to support direct payroll costs. So if you want your loan forgiven and you want to treat this as a grant, you must have used 75% of that $250,000 to support um, employees' direct payroll costs. The additional 25% can be used for things like rent, mortgage, and debt payments. The easiest thing that I can tell you is that you can have both an EIDL loan and a PPP loan. Get an EIDL loan to support your loss of business, all the payments that go with that, rent, other maintenance payments, any normal business costs. Get that loan to support the six months of those payments and then get your PPP loan to support your payroll costs and use it all toward your payroll. If you do that, you will know that your PPP loan will be fully forgiven in a short period as opposed to trying to parse it out. I think that's the best strategy and it's the strategy that I would recommend to everyone at this point in time. That brings up one more question. I understand that you can't reduce the number of 
employees hired back or a certain percent of their pay must be paid to qualify. Can you touch on base on that for a minute? So the rule does state that you can't reduce. So they don't want you to pick and choose. They want you to bring back your staff, especially since you're, they're qualifying you for your entire payroll. They don't want you to bring back just certain people. So bring back your whole staff. And then if you do have to reduce staff or things are not going as well for you, get in contact with your lender because we can get additional guidance on that as we go forward. I will tell you that the guidance on all the nuance around this at the current moment is lacking because they put the program out so fast. So we're getting new information day by day, and we will continue to funnel that to you. And the government's funneling to us via FAQs and new final rules each day. Well, Charles, thank you very much. I know this is changing by the hour. I think we've learned a lot here in the podcast. You know, Charles, I had one more question for you. And I just want to say, first of all, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, the one word I heard a lot in your answers was the word change. And the question I have, it sounds like the rules are always changing. Now, how are these changes being delivered and to who are they being delivered to? It seems like this may hold up applications if a change wasn't followed. How do we go about that process? Great question. So the one thing that the government has said is that if they applied and the rule was not in place as of that day, because rules are coming out every day, then you went by the rule that was in place the day before. So we can only apply to the rules that we had at the time that they were in place. Where are the rules coming to? You can find these rules generally at treasury.gov. And there's a, an FAQ section on that about the PPP program. So it'll have all the listings there and there's the updates happen there every day. Um, the other place you can find it is sba.gov, and they have also a PPP section there. Those are two places I would start. But instead of trying to figure out all of these paths for yourself, the easiest thing to do, contact your, your local small business consultant. Contact your local friend that who, who knows about small business. Contact your local banker or accountant. These are the people that are paid to have this knowledge and everybody's sharing information pretty fast these days. Instead of you going to do things when you have to take care of your kids and your families, I would say, hey, let me make one call to my accountant and that person can tell me this or one call to my banker and that person can tell me this because we're the people that are involved in this day to day. Well, thanks, Charles. That was some great insight. And we'll have that information for you on TennisIndustryUnited.com. Thanks a lot, Charles, for participating. You're welcome, Doug. And thank you, Chris. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll have some more fun stories about people getting getting money in the door and being able to support their businesses or even better, some good tennis stories, because uh, talking about the small business stuff gets a little boring, even for somebody who's in it every day. Thanks, Charles. Now, our goal was to hopefully get Charles to answer the questions that you may have right now. If we didn't get a chance to answer a question that we have right now, we hope to get Charles back on one more time after he has a chance to look at some of the questions you may still have. So if you have a question, please email it to Tennis Industry United Pod, P-O-D, Tennis Industry United Pod at USTA.com. And we will send them along to get answers for you. If we need to get Charles on one more time, Charles, is that possible? You got it. No problem at all. I appreciate Enjoyed the time doing it. Okay, great. Then make sure you join us next week on this podcast to get some of those questions answered. Hey, Mick and Charles, thanks a lot. We're all in this together. We'll come out on top on the other side. 
Thanks, Doug. Now, we want to thank you for joining us here on the Tennis Industry United podcast. I'd like to thank my partner, Doug Cash of Cashflow Tennis, and our special guest, Charles Smith, Senior Vice President of Eastern Bank Corporation. And please make sure you go to tennisindustryunited.com for any links and resources related to this podcast. Now, if you have a question or concern you'd like us to address here on the podcast, remember, please email us at tennisindustryunitedpod at usta.com, and we'll find the right person to get you an answer. Until next time, keep your head up. Be safe and stay well. And remember, we're all in this together. Tennis Industry United.